Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Roses are red, violets are blue. Taxation is theft, inflation is too. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. And as if you know my show, if you've been listening for a few years, you know that this is the time where I'm actually not on Saturdays 3 to 6 for a while making way for UGA football. It's all good, but sometimes you can't find my show. What is different about this year, though, is that I am with my producer Binkley here. We are putting on a, we have a 30 minute daily podcast called Drive Time Prop. If you want to hear our headlines, highlights of the news with a brief, a little few original insights, but really just jam packed news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and true justice, then check that out. You can go to thepropreport.com or Find Propaganda Report on your favorite listening platform. To hear The Monica Perez Show, go to The Monica Perez Show on iTunes or MonicaPerezShow.com and see when it's around WSB. I'll still be on WSB. You just have to maybe follow me on Twitter to find out when, at Monica Perez Show. Without further ado, let me get right into what I think are the most important stories of this week. The number one story, the thing that really caught my eye and that I, I believe that I have some uh, little bit of code cracking for you is yesterday there was a lot of drama, a lot of back and forth. Actually, it's been going on for a while. Volatility of the market all blamed on Trump provoking China, provoking retaliatory tariffs. We're in a trade war. That's the story. And it's having a terrible impact on the markets. And and Trump is impulsive and irrational, a hothead. He's uh, unpresidential. He makes tweets that just cause problems. He doesn't think these things through. The effects could be devastating. It could be a threat to the entire world order. Yada, yada, yada. That's what you're hearing. And, and the... The clarity that I got from the way it was unfolding this week solved a question that I had had. The question was that, so when he, when, when Trump came out and he started talking about wanting to put up trade barriers, change our relationship with China, I mean, that ship has definitely sailed. My, my parents, I've always been acutely aware of the problem with trading with China. My parents always objected to opening up China, communist China, to trade with us. They believed it was wrong of Carter to abandon Taiwan, where the non-communist, the true government of China, some would argue, is still there. And all my life, my mother is still alive, and I believe to this day she does not buy things made in China which luckily she she lives a very austere lifestyle and she can get away with it, but it's virtually impossible. I mean, almost all shoes are made in China. It's very difficult. And we blamed Nixon for that, opening up China. 
But the but the idea of pulling away from China is a little bit too late, I think. I mean, not saying it's impossible, but it's it's going to take a lot. And it's not something that wins over Republicans. It, historically, trade wars, tariffs, trade barriers and immigration barriers were were pillars of the left as they claimed to and, and to some extent probably actually did try to support labor in this country. So you protect your labor base by uh, protecting the products they produce and by keeping uh, wage pressure away by restricting immigration. Obviously, the left doesn't do that anymore because of their position on immigration makes it very clear. And that but the right never liked that stuff. They were always for free trade. Uh, I mean, in the modern era anyway, because of the prosperity that that produces, the the cheaper the goods from somebody else who can make them cheaper than you can, the more you can put your effort at something that has a higher productivity of labor, and then you're richer that way. And that's what the right likes. So when Trump came out with that, and and the other big thing was the day he was elected, he came out, and the only policy matter he discussed when his acceptance speech was expand was investing in infrastructure again. You got to scratch your head. Like, why would he be rolling this stuff out to the right? So in in looking at the trade thing, there's there were two possibilities in my mind. One is he was serving a, another purpose. Like, I don't believe this stuff that he's emotional, hothead, doesn't think things through. He's got he's crazy like a fox. Like, there's no way that guy doesn't know what he's doing. So what is it? So what is he doing? Is he actually going for this a trade war? And uh, and if so, what would would the bigger picture purpose be? And my my question was that my thought was that if he's really looking for a war, like a war with Iran, which I think he may well be, which could turn into World War Three. I mean, if that really is just a two sided big war, you would have to have a strong manufacturing base to insulate you from the war efforts of sanctions, embargoes, blockades. I mean, you have to, you cannot, you can't win a war if you can be choked off. So maybe he was wanted to incite a trade war so that he could return manufacturing here for in preparation for a truly massive war effort. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. But I went, but the other possibility went to something else that happened on the day he was elected. And it's something I've mentioned many times because it was just so prescient. It was when I asked my tweet, Dean, why is this guy getting elected? I was shocked. And he said, and really, I think he was on the money. Certainly today I'm thinking that his, I'm connecting his dot with what happened this week. He said, they, maybe the powers that be want a Republican to oversee the inevitable correction. And he was talking about the 2008 crisis recession was massive. And instead of letting bad money that was invested with debt collapse and allow for bankruptcies, it's called creative destruction. Just clear that out of the system. The people who made bad decisions won't have any more money to make more bad decisions. And then you just, their bankruptcies happen. Buildings aren't demolished, but they do change hands. The money goes to the debtors. You do the best you can, brush yourself off and you get up. But instead, the government printed massive amounts of money and brought interest rates down close to or actually at zero and just kept 
debt floating around in the system sustained instead of washing it out through bankruptcy. And this cannot last forever because the way the Fed has the system, there are these expansions. And then as they these bubbles get inflated in the in the, exactly that way, as they start to collapse, the Fed uh during the time of the inflating of the bubble, the expansion, the Fed raises rates, raises rates, and then when it starts to collapse, they reduce rates again so that it makes money looser. People can shore up their debt. and But now, this time around, the interest rates never really recovered. And I'm going to get to that in a, in a few minutes. But the fact is, they've got to correct those interest rates. And in order to do that, it will be very painful. There would be a contraction. And and if it's going to be painful like that, perhaps if you have somebody that could discredit the Republican Party or conservatism or even free market economics, if you could have somebody there who would take the heat instead of saying, and the Fed, like a libertarian would say, look, it doesn't work. You know, if they can kick the can or orchestrate how this thing is corrected, maybe that that is why they would have Trump there to discredit his side. So so the trade war precipitating an economic meltdown would be an obvious irrational thing to do, which also like sparking a war with Iran would be an obvious irrational thing to do. So it's been very helpful, I think, for for Trump to be painted as being irrational. So you can't connect the dots and say, hey, there might be an ulterior motive here. This might be a, a, a scam that somebody's running on us, whether Trump knows it or not, I don't know. But there, there is a possibility that there are nefarious actors pulling the strings behind the scenes. And I wouldn't be surprised given what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the global financial system. What we're talking about is exactly where all the money and power reside. So if ever there could be a back office deal, this would be the kind of circumstance where they would want to orchestrate you know, it's, it's as if the whole thing is a big Ponzi scheme or con game anyway. They absolutely have to keep that going. And this might be a way. So but it all all the pieces kind of started to click in place for me because this yesterday, because Jerome Powell, the head of the Fed, was in Jackson Hole. And he said something to the effect of I read his whole speech. I know what it says, but I'm just going to try to give you the kind of sound bites that you were hearing was that, hey, we, we've got this new normal. We've got low interest rates, but that's OK because volatility's kind of gone. And we're, we've we've learned a lot. We don't need that kind of leverage that we used to have. The only problem is if that somebody's going to disrupt well-founded, uh, tried and true international trade rules for no apparent reason and create a massive crisis that's something that just we can't we can't could not have anticipated so it seemed to me that he was making it look like oh everything's cool there's no like correction pent up it's just but if trump blows everything up but if you peel back his statements a little bit and i looked at it he would he said we were in the longest expansion in history certainly in modern history, like it's been so long since we've had a recession. 
And then he shows like all these charts. He's like, this is the first era of the modern time. This is the second era. This is the third era. This is how interest rates look. And I'm looking for the chart of like interest rates for the past 50 years over all those eras. And he doesn't have it. He has it all parsed out. But so I look and I see why when I look it up on the internet, I found a real chart of 62 years. It's because if you look at it, you see that our interest rates are so low, we could never get ourselves out of the recession the way they've done it in the past. Every other recession has been marked by a 5, 6, 7, 10, even 15% decline, reduction in the interest rates, and our interest rates are only at less than 3% right now. At the end of the longest expansion there's ever been in the modern era. So if they have a correction anywhere near like what we've seen in the past, they don't have the tools to soften that landing. Now, I'm a libertarian, not a big believer in the Fed, but these are the tools and they do have an impact. And there's no way that is enough wiggle room in the interest rate to soften the blow of a burst bubble, which is how it kind of always happens. So what does that mean for us? Well, if you have a kind of correction and you can't keep floating the debt around, you and I and the expansion has been largely driven by consumer debt which is which is a whole nother can of worms. But what happens is if you have if you are spending high on the hog because you have a lot of debt and all of a sudden you've maxed out on your debt and interest rates rise, you have to start taking the money that you're earning and use that to pay off debt instead of to spend money. When you do that, if everybody's doing that at the same time, factories close, businesses go out of business, and then you lose your job. And then everybody's in the same boat, and we're very vulnerable to extremely socialist policies like universal basic income or this modern monetary theory that kind of says, oh, just inflate it, out of, inflate it all away, just print money and give it away to people. You're very vulnerable in times like that. So this is a big problem, and it's not, in my mind, because Trump is mouthing off to China or even sparking actual trade retaliation. It's a bigger problem. I want to talk about it after the break. 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought to believe was all made of bull****. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. So I think that was a lot to digest. I'm going to say hi to Binkley. Hi, Binkley. How are you doing? I'm digesting. <laughs> Did you have enough coffee? I know you're probably on your sixth cup of coffee by now. I'm still not sure that's enough. It takes me about six cups of coffee <laughs> to be able to have the right level of alertness to really take in the true libertarian <laughs> message you were <laughs> Libertarians do like economics. That is true. I was still digesting the poem you opened with. I thought it was beautiful. Oh, thank you. I wish I remember who tweeted that to me the first time. It was a long time ago, but it just it tickles me pink. I'll say it again. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Taxation is theft. Inflation is too. <laughs> I should probably explain that. So taxation is theft, obviously. Who's consenting to that? And uh, I mean, maybe people are, but it's this bad. It's a bad idea. They're not taking the taxes to fulfill the social contract. Even if you believe there's a social contract as defined by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, they're using that money to violate it. So clearly they're stealing it. And if you had to do it voluntarily with no enforcement, you wouldn't. So it's definitely violent. But inflation is a more subtle thing. 
when the government and infl- according to Milton Friedman, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. So it's always because the government is printing money. It rises in the price level because something a commodity becomes more expensive or scarcer or whatever isn't really inflation. It's just a change in the price. But over time, prices would actually go down as manufacturing and uh extraction and stuff, uh, more people, labor prices, as the prices of stuff goes down. Like if you look in the 19th century, if you look at the price level, it's just flat. Like the that wages were going up while prices were staying flat. Like it was true prosperity. But then the Fed came aboard about 100 years ago and they started, they have this idea of like Powell was saying on Friday of a 2% inflation goal. And what, and that, that, that money comes right out of our pocket. So you make a hundred bucks a year, whatever, an hour, day, <laughs> whatever you make, a hundred bucks a year. You're a year. You're not going to get. You're not going to get a hundred and two dollars by the end of that year. But if they inflate, if they print an extra two dollars, there's a hundred and two dollars floating around for the same amount of goods. So that two dollars was from the government. They printed it, and you didn't get it. So your gas price is up by $2, but your wage is not up by $2. Mm-hmm. So that is why inflation is theft. I'm still not... Now, once I heard the music, I'm never going to get this concept <laughs> out. But I'm open to, if anybody doesn't understand what I'm saying, let's have the conversation. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Don't forget, WSB's free gas giveaway is underway. 95.5 WSB helps you on your daily commute with triple team traffic. And now we are giving you more relief for your drive. A chance to win $500 or more of free gas. Go to WSBRadio.com to register and then listen weekdays at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 4 p.m., and 5 p.m. And when we announce your name, call and win. The, uh, we've started announcing names this week. Start Monday morning at 8 a.m. this week. And when you hear your name, call and win. So we are back, and uh, we love the... UGA football, but I do make room for it. You've got a tweet there, Binkley, about uh, about that, right? Yes, I do. I have one from Rock Connor, who tweets. Oh, wait, it's from Alan. We'll get to Rock Connors later. Alan's dog? Yeah, Alan and his, his <laughs> lovely dog tweets, Glad to hear you're on the air today. You should post your new schedule as football season is upon us. Always enjoy the show. Thank you, Alan. I am sad to say I don't know the darn schedule, so I wait to hear. I, I wait on the edge of my seat every week to find out when I'm on again. But you can find this show. We're going to put it on MonicaPerezShow.com and also iTunes. Just look for Monica Perez Show. And then, but I think, Alan, I don't know if you're a big podcast listener, but this might be the time to convert or at least to incorporate podcast listening to your routine because Binkley and I are putting out some, I mean, I think people got hooked immediately on this. They are absolutely hooked for their drive time prop where we give the news with our own original insights, but mostly just rapid fire every weekday. So go to Propaganda Report on any of your listening platforms or thepropreport.com and you can hear that. You're going to like it. Trust me. Trust me, Alan. So 
So I just like, I was so excited to crack the code on the China thing. I was just like, what is going on? This is, and it was really had an impact on the markets. And I just, it was just too much. I just thought there was just too much hype around it. And then I figured out the Powell. I really think I've I've cracked the code on that. But then I started scaring myself to realize what actually happens when there's a correction. So uh, I just had to get it all out there. But now I'm absolutely ready to take a step back and roll it out little by little. <laughs> 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I am going to go to Bill in Woodstock. Bill, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey, Bill. Thank you for uh, all that you do. It's a uh, joy. Just two quick points. Yes. Uh, the first point, um, this whole hype that went down Friday about Trump, you know, Throwing the stock market. What a! It's more of the same crazy propaganda. The stock market's still up 15 percent year to date. You compare the stock market to exactly one year ago; it's exactly the same. And you know, this is just them trying to anything they can brew up and put in the pot and try to you know cook his goose, so to speak. I what I'm more concerned there. with. What I'm more concerned with is the impending. I'll call it gloom and doom of the future. You got a, we got 22 trillion, 23 trillion in debt, way out of whack with our actual GDP. Uh, all this printing of money in central banks around the world is not going to change anything. And you know, we're going to, unfortunately, we're going to end up with this scenario of a 50, 60 percent market crash at some point in time, whether it's a month from now or 10 years from now. You can't, you can't expand forever. Right. Yeah. And did it resonate with you at all what I was saying about the, these guys? So the 2008 recession had a lot of bad debt in there. So they, they just put right. a lot of debt on stuff that wasn't worth what they said it was worth. And instead of just saying, hey, man, you guys made stupid mistakes. All you shareholders, all you bondholders who put the money in that, presumably you could afford to take the hit or you wouldn't have risked it. But then right. instead of doing that, they inflated the money, they lowered the interest rates, and they bailed those very people out. And then I feel like now, I, really, I was like flabbergasted when I, when I just stopped and looked at the 62-year chart of the Fed funds rate to see that we are still at the lows below what most, most corrections. So they have a recession, and usually interest rates are quite high when the recession hits, and then the Fed will bring the weights, rates way, way down to soften that blow and stimulate spending by making debt cheaper again. We, Our interest right. rates are now below the point at which the Fed stops doing that after a recession begins to become corrected. I mean, we have no place to. They usually lower the rates 5, 10, even 15 percent, and we're only less than 3 percent now. There is no cushion. Yeah, there's absolutely no no buffer at all, and it's you know it's you know you think about it, it kills you know it kills seniors most of all because you know they want safety you know three or four percent CD you can't get that anymore. Nope. If you want to be of course invest in your German bonds, you can pay point two percent of your money to have part of your money and stuff. It's it's insanity, and what's going to happen? You know our population is not growing like it used to. What's going to happen when all the baby boomers, such as myself, when we're all gone? How, who's going to pick up the tab? And they and 
until they get at least Trump's a business guy and he's trying to make things happen, okay? But there's absolutely zero plan. You know, the elephant in the room is still there. They're going to kick the can down the road. And four years from now or six years from now, it's going to be $30 trillion or $32 trillion in debt. Yes, especially, especially, thank you, Bill, especially if what we, if we have this crash. And here's the thing. So it's always a question of timing. When's it going to happen? Maybe it's 40 years down the road. But when I look at this chart and when I listen to what Powell said, he said this was the longest in time expansion that we've ever had or in the modern time or whatever. And when I look at this chart, I see that. I see that this is very long and that every single expansion, every single expansion, I'm looking at like seven cycles, ends with a recession. And we're overdue for that recession. And that recession is normally met with a minimum of five and closer to seven or eight percent percentage point drop in the interest rate to loosen the money up again. And we just do not have that. So for me, it's sooner rather than later. Now, they do have three points to work with. I mean, it's a quarter point a session. You know what I mean? They could push that off a year or two or three. I think at least stabilize it if. So this is when I start thinking. I I have uh, credentials. I, I have a chartered financial analyst credential CFA, which is rather involved. So I understand the way to, I'm familiar with the methods of analyzing fundamental data, but I don't think it has a value really compared with the impact of behind the scenes maneuvers. So this huge scandal where LIBOR, which is a fundamental interest rate, was manipulated behind the scenes and kind of brushed under the rug, just was an example of the fact that they really manipulate this stuff behind the scenes and it just is never brought into the light. So the the Fed does have, and I think this everybody does talk about, the Fed has power to manipulate at least the timing of these ups and downs. So I don't think these people are totally independent. That would just be ridiculous that these people are standing alone with all this power of just straddling the world. This guy, Jerome Powell, like somebody put him there. Somebody's pulling those strings, in my opinion. And so the question for me is, if they want to get rid of Trump, then they crash it. And he's he's calling them out on that. Right. He's saying you, you could do it if you wanted to. Everyone's just, they're willing to sacrifice everything just to get me out. But I don't think they do want to get them out. I think these powers that be are above the parties. I don't think it's right, left, Democrat. I don't think it's uh, even national. I think it is an international cabal of power brokers and financiers and all that who pull these particular strings. So why do I think they want him, Trump, in place? I think he's very powerful for pushing agendas and policies, whether he knows who they're serving or not. Maybe he's being stovepiped, which is like the people who give him information are tailoring it for him to come out where he will do what they want him to do, even without knowing it. I don't know. But they I think there are four things he brings to the table that nobody else is going to bring and they're going to bring him back for another four years for this reason. 
that he he can either spur a reaction. There was a big article in CNN this week about how he's doing the Democrats a favor by demonstrating how awful Republicans are. I'm not I'm not echoing that, but it, it is spurring a reaction. That's kind of the dialectical approach. I invented a term, the contrary law of democracy, so he can bring things in that the powers that be want, like gun laws and unsustainable debt, and he can silence the right, who would normally go bananas if Obama was trying to do that. Then there's the kind of cult of personality thing where he can talk you into stuff because you trust him, like a trade war. So there's those three elements. And then the biggest thing in my mind that he brings to the table is no one. I can't think of a personality who could hold the country wrapped, wrapped with attention at every tweet, at every word, every day. That guy can keep you focused on his personality and his interactions with other people without ever needing to think real hard about policy, without ever making demands on Fox or CNN to really debate the issues. This guy can hold the attention of the media and the American public like nobody else I've ever seen. And to to squander that, to yield that to Stacey Abrams is not going to work. So, And I've actually thought about the Stacey Abrams thing. She's really, I think she she's more of the leader of the agitation. She's, she's beyond the leader of the opposition. She's a leader of agitation. She's very good at that. That's where she's always been. And so now I see that that, Maybe the dynamic that emerges that he keeps a seat at the table, but how that relates back to the Fed and the manipulation of the of the interest rates, they I think they can't kick this can forever. I don't think they can even kick it for that long. I I, I mean a couple of years looks like to me. I mean I don't know. Do not take my words as any kind of prediction. I have no idea, no idea. Timing is elusive, but I but I my hunch is that they want him here they can keep the market looking good maybe at the last minute or stabilized or whatever definitely through the next election they can decide which way it's going to go so i'm not super worried right now but i do think that's how it plays in and i think he's got some jobs to do like i think they want him to start conflict with iran i think they want him to finish the censorship state, you know, I think they want him to implement some gun control policies that they couldn't get under a Democratic leader. So I believe that he's here for a reason. And I think that the China trade stuff is uh, is a is like a, a prestige. I think that's what it's called, like a magic show prestige. So the China prestige is just a, is just a cloak for the great correction that is coming. But I am still open to calls and I want to change gears a little bit. The other big story was immigration this week. So I'm, we're going to give you an update on that. 800-WSB-TALK, 404-872-0750. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Okay, Binkley, do you have a tweet for me? I do. I have one from Mitch Landstrong, who says that he could listen to you talk about economics all day. No way. Yep. I was afraid I was going to lose the audience there. Well, I you love got it. Mitch. 
I feel like I'm the only one. That's why. But the Ron Paul phenomenon does show that people can get really excited if you talk good economics. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to share a thank you for that. I absolutely love that. They, uh, I wanted to share an exchange. Don't tell anybody. This is private. That I had with uh, a person I'm very close to. It's not my mother, but it's a Trump supporter of that <clears throat> caliber. And this is the exchange that I had. I get a text. Are you going to vote for Trump next year? Me. This is somebody very Somebody close. asked you that? <laughs> Someone very close to me asked me that. I said, uh, I never vote Republican or Democrat except for Ron Paul so far. He says, okay, but really Trump is not your typical Republican. <laughs> so I said, he's a big spending warmonger. Sounds like a typical Republican to me. And he says, uh, well, yes, in that narrow context, I would agree with you. When I said typical, I meant the trait of most Republicans in the last 30 years who shrink in the face of leftist imperiousness, which if I, leftist what imperiousness. I actually had to look that up. It is uh, coming off as arrogant. Oh, OK. And I said talk is cheap. But I thought it was interesting because and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be so harsh on Trump. I'm not a hater, but I really like having uh, a pointed exchange with this guy. So it was fun for me to just kind of be a little bar, a little barb, barb-like. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth. Needle him a little. But look, now people are calling me because they're mad because I was too harsh. But, uh, but, but it goes to what you say, which is people really like that Trump is a straight shooter. Yeah. That's what they love about yeah. him. So the policy, it's their their feeling of vindication. They're feeling that somebody is, has the courage to fight for them, represent them, stand up to the other side. Who's like, it's kind of a, a hard pill to swallow to be bullied by wimps. You know what I mean? And they're not they're not wimps, so they're angry. Like when you send me that indivisible stuff, they're so angry you know i mean it's weird it's really it's not good so being bested by that crowd decade after decade makes you feel like you've been betrayed by your representatives yeah and he does not make you feel like like trump does not he makes you feel like uh vindicated in a way trump does the stuff that you imagine yourself doing in your head when you get yeah, in what confrontations. you wish what you wish you had the chance to do because yeah. you would do it you would have the courage to do it so when you see mitch mcconnell or paul ryan you're just like what is wrong with you you have all the power right stand up for yourself stand up for me that's what i'm paying you for so uh i absolutely want to talk to these call i really thought they were calling like mad that i i would but this is all right it was my brother i had to i had to argue with him well you know he's my brother i had to argue with him a little bit so anyway i i still told him send me an email five policies that you like uh, that trump has implemented or even just five things you like about trump i want to read that email so i appeal to you brother uh, anyway, I have these great calls. Please uh, hang on. And Lawrence, Susan, I think they want to keep talking about the uh, economy, which I love. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.